0: they say they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down deep down into this rabbit hole ready it's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity you're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Ruffaloos.
1: By the way, I have my seven year old in the other room.
2: My twins are upstairs, everybody's home. This will be great.
1: Yeah, there's a chance he could join us.
2: that that would be fantastic it's kid friendly (laughs) all right this is a kid friendly episode all right here we go good morning good afternoon and good evening uh happy early new year to y'all it is uh thursday december 29th as we record this and i'm sure some of you guys are going to catch this live and everybody else will catch it as it goes on rss on i think the third uh so there we go um to close out what was Eh, not a terrible year, uh, although it's been weird. I gotta say, uh, is uh, we, we've got our friend Sean, uh, the perpetual buddy, on the podcast here, and uh, James, you're you're wearing a hoodie. Is it cold down there?
3: Listen, man, it was it was cold. It's starting to warm back up, but you know we're like 50s today, and I feel like it might be less than that in the house. So yeah, I got uh, the- we
2: had. Uh, we got we were 57 yesterday we should be 65 today we'll be mid 60s and uh by the time I get to Key West in 2 days it's going to be upper 70s baby.
3: Sean, <laughs> well, how are you do You guys like-
2: still
1: got power over there in Texas? Yeah, so so we were uh really cold for um you know much of last week like like super cold for for Dallas. And uh today it's almost 70. I mean it's warm outside and uh You know, it's that typical bipolar Texas weather. And, you know, wonder why everybody gets sick around here.
3: It's coming back around to us. You guys had that earlier than us. The last four, like three days, we're in the 20s at night. And uh, I think either tomorrow or the next day, we'll be back up to the 70s. So it's, yeah, I mean, it
1: made for a nice Christmas. You know, it's nice to have it cold and and not be outside sweating in shorts and a t shirt, but, (laughs) you know. I
2: mean, I, I will take the T-shirt weather, though I'm not complaining necessarily. Um, all
1: right. Well, so yeah, have you have you seen t- Home Alone? You you I, know I, you I have can't be in a tropical client. Uh, I mean, a tropical uh, climate for Christmas. There's no Christmas trees. Come on, Raph.
2: That's fair. We we were we were dude on Christmas here. We were, I think uh, 11 degrees or nine degrees at night. It was cold. My, uh, the back of the house is, uh, is definitely where the, where my kitchen is, is not, uh, and then we've got the pipe that runs from the kitchen down the length of my wall to the outside spigot. And, uh, it is definitely not built for nine single digits. And so my cold water line to the kid, to the, uh, sink froze, uh, just enough, uh, to where the water wouldn't run. But, uh, I put a, I just ran a heater in that space and it unfroze everything's fine no what no leakage or any of that, which is good but um yeah it's it's it was it was big we didn't get we got snow flurries i would just say today is thir- uh tuesday we had snow flurries that just enough to let you know there was a little light dusting so <laughs> merry christmas all around as as it happened i mean everybody was excited merry
1: christmas it. kevin merry christmas
2: have you seen by the way have you guys i don't know if you guys are family guy fans have you seen the family guy like what what uh what that would have really been like like they did a family guy uh no. cutaway gag with a uh with the guys kind of breaking into the house so they guys like oh watch out there's broken glass on the floor oh you should probably not step on those matchbox it's like you know cars and there's some water coming out from the basement or from the behind the door he goes i wouldn't go in there That's probably bad and the kid stands at the top of the stairs kevin and goes ha, ah, something something just go boom and blow him away and you're like that's that. <laughs> yeah a realistic version of that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, all right, well, so uh, thanks for joining us everybody. Um, thanks for listening. I, I, I will start off by saying it' was been it's been an awesome year for the show. Um, we've been growing about four to five percent month over month. So two things are happening. Uh, our content is clearly uh, stuff that you guys are enjoying and I think the uh, there's a lot of sharing and sharing and caring going on so I, I, we definitely appreciate that lots of you sus- new subscribers uh welcome to the show we are jo- jumping into our 13th year as the as the calendar turns in uh, my my show my twins have now decided realize it's older than they are and they're intrigued um, so th- there's a there's a greater than zero chance what one or both of them are gonna walk through that door any minute and, and try to say hello to everybody but um, but yeah, man, it's a—it's been a heck of a year. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it's been particularly good or bad in the cyber world, Sean. What's your workload been like?
1: Boy, that's a matter of perspective. Um, <laughs> I, our work, our so so you know, most of probably 75% of what our team does is incident response, and yeah. um, you know, our incident response work from really late March, April, until the end of November, just was at a nosedive. And and really? a lot of my friends in the industry that I talk with are sharing the same experience. I mean, the number of cases uh, most of us have had this year from both the breach coaches, the law firm mm-hmm. side, the forensics firms has has just been horrible as far as the volume for you know our workload. Now, what that means is it's a good thing for the country, right? Because the bad guys haven't been attacking companies as much as we've seen in the past. And most people are attributing this to the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, because both of those are notorious hacking groups now fighting each other instead of um, necessarily going after companies. I don't know if that's the case or not. I, I talked to some people who say they don't think so, but, um, we've seen it pick back up a lot in, uh, in December. So things, okay. uh, I've gotten a lot busier this week really than I wanted to be. Um, <laughs> it's, they came back with a They need that. It's a Christmas way to kick movie. off
3: the new year, right? And the, and yeah. the old year with a huge spike
1: gotta buy them gifts man
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah well yeah even bad guys need to uh to need to accessorize well some people um, would
3: also say though like you hear a lot of people say you'll see a lot more stuff kick off the end of the year because we're running skeleton crews everywhere right like everybody's yeah. taking PTO you know like that's a good time to you know attack because there's less people with eyes on looking at alerts and and there to deal with it yeah. So maybe that and, has and something you know, with
1: it too. Um, I, I say m- uh, most people think it's the, the Russia-Ukraine event. Um, I have some other theories, too, though. Uh, you know, most of the incident response work that all of us that are breach coaches see comes from insurance companies. Um, you know, the insurance companies get a claim. The claim gets reported. Then they get referred over to us and we represent the company got them through the process. Um, There's been a lot of changes in the cyber insurance market over the last two years, really with that hardening of the market, that substantial increase in controls, you know, the minimum controls required. We've had some uh, insurance folks on the podcast here and talk about it. And I think, you know, I think there could be a, a decent argument that some of that's working, You know, that we're seeing companies pick up their baseline a little bit. And so maybe there are less attacks. But another thing I think is important to note is the changes in the insurance policies resulted in much higher retentions. Uh, So you didn't have your zero deductible, if you will, claims anymore. You now had $25,000, $100,000 deductible at the outset. And I think a lot of companies, uh, I know some of my clients are just saying, look, we're not reporting this under our insurance because we're going to resolve the issue for 40 grand. Why have, you know, we've got a hundred thousand dollars deductible. And so I, we could see less reporting. We could be seeing less attacks. We could be seeing improved security. I don't know.
3: That's interesting. Cause you know, you think about that from even like your homeowner's insurance, right? Something happens and you're like, ah, my deductible no i'll just go ahead and deal yep. with this exactly you
2: know? <laughs> yeah i, I i'm kind of curious i, I can't I'm, I'm thinking back to the year over the last 12 months and i'm one i'm trying to go okay what was like the thing that uh, the big one that everybody was thinking of that like everybody talks about It's gonna curious I, I, was there wasn't really one big thing james God. guys there wasn't uh, like i mean really we had one...
3: log for jay but that started the end of the year before, although it's still carried yeah, that over kind of carried in. You know, you've got that. You've got some. There wasn't a lot of like huge announcements, right? I mean, there was some companies that that made the news for sure. I mean, even recently, right? Last Pass is obviously one that's making the rounds. But, but I mean, before that, yeah, I mean, it was. It wasn't. Yeah. There, there wasn't like a, a huge
1: Equifax year or Colonial right. there Pipeline. Wasn't. I mean, we really didn't see um, that I can think of one like that now to put it in perspective at a colonial pipeline, you know, I think it was an $8 million payout if I recall, but it was the impact on the country that got the attention so much. Um, right. I mean, we're seeing demands now in the, you know, three, 4 million pretty routinely, um, you know, at the outset. So, uh, you know, and, and we're seeing a shift from encryption to exfil and threat of publication, more right. um, for the, uh, you know, the the leverage, the the extortion side. Um, and I, I wonder if that's because companies haven't gotten better at backups. You know, backups have improved over the few years. And-
2: is that is that Sean? Is that has that been the uh, has that been the predominant? uh i mean you guys deal with ransomware quite a bit has that been the predominant thing that's been happening is you think is it is it more because last year was like the year the big year where really ransomware really went nuts this year seems to have been it's kind of a stabilization of that market and uh maybe uh stabilization maybe is not the right word but i kind of uh making it more Normalize? That sounds like a weird thing to say, but there hasn't been these crazy things.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, really, I'd say 2020 and 2021, the real big trend was um, hitting MSPs and supply chain, yeah. you know, and using their tools to exponentially impact all of their customers. Um, I think we only had two of those cases in 2022. Um, but we we have seen a whole lot more um, threat actor groups that in the past have 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 encrypted, but who aren't, for whatever reason, but are stealing the data and mm-hmm. uh, and and then using that data as extortion. Now, where that's differed a little bit is up until last year, uh, we would see a, all of them threaten that they stole the data, but usually you could tell through forensics they didn't they would get a screenshot of a file tree or something like that and say, "We have your data, but they didn't have the actual data behind it um, this year we're seeing they they've been dwelling in the network they've exfilled the data and they actually have it and uh interesting you know so so that's a a change you know it's we so can ransomware. No longer, so
2: yeah, so ransomware going two-prong, right? It's not only the ransom, but now it's extortion as well and, and potentially
1: leakage. Yeah. it's the extort- So it's all the extortion. It's what's the leverage they're, they're using for that. In the past, it yeah. was the encryption, pay us to get the decryptor key. And they're still doing that, but not as much. And we're seeing more of the, you know, we're not even going to bother encrypting you. We're just going to literally steal all of your data. And then well, we're going to start calling and we're going to call you. We're going to call your president. You know, we're going to call your nice. customers. <laughs> that's bold. Well, you <laughs> it's know, a I mean, Wrap <clears> I got a call yesterday. The... I got a phone call, uh, a voicemail that was recorded or it wasn't a voicemail. It was one of our clients. The threat actor called him said, you know, you did not pay your money, you know, and it's like, this sounds like the most stereotypical, just, you know, like of what you would expect. And it, that's how it sounded.
3: But you know. they, I mean, this progression for, for ransomware, right? I mean, we talked about this end of last year, Ralph, and we had, uh, I forget the guy's name, but like the, the guy from Nubeva on, right? And he was talking yeah, see, about... Their, yeah, their service to be able to say like, look, you can run our tool and we can we can decrypt it because we capture the encryption keys in memory before they transmit them off. And we're like, all right, well, where does that bring ransomware then? You know, like if we can start to beat ransomware and say, listen, we're coming up with techniques to be able to beat this. Well, then, all right, well, I'll ransom you. And if you don't, ha- if you do have that, well, that's fine. You beat it. But I still have your data. So I'll get yes, you here. Yes, you know, We're I mean, playing chess, right. It's, yeah. that, it's that next level of, listen, I mean, I'm still getting in the same way I got in. You didn't stop that. All you did was say, hey, I'll capture the encryption keys. So it's like, all right, well, then I'll steal the data while I'm here, too. You know, and then that way I'm still, you know, useful in what I'm trying to do. So, I mean, I guess maybe that is that next progression of seeing that and saying, OK, and, well, And it's
1: been that way for for, you know, the last 10 years. I mean, I remember in 2013 being at a meeting with some people and them talking about this new theory of somehow they could get in and encrypt your network, right? And this was right after Sony got bricked, you know, and um, and all that. And, and it was all theoretical. And then you start to see it happen. And then you see them go from, you know, doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, just you had backups or you didn't have backups and they learned to go get the backups. And then when you, everybody started backing up, you know, then they started stealing the data and now they're doing more of the data theft. And that, that's the, that's the thing I keep trying to get people to understand is there's no fix to cybersecurity. Like it's not something you fix. You don't just buy the tool, fix it. And the problem solved. This is a constantly evolving risk. And and every time, it's whack-a-mole. Every time you think you've got one area shored up, mm-hmm. it's going to evolve somewhere else. It has to be an ongoing process. I mean, I've said it, y'all have heard it here before, um, where I say, people always ask me, what is reasonable cybersecurity? And my answer is, reasonable cybersecurity is a process. It's not a definition, because it has to be in that process. You know?
2: You know what's interesting, Sean? I had I had to look this up because I, I I thought it was about ten. It has been eight years, twenty fourteen, since Sony Pictures went complete. You know that they they had their uh, mm-hmm. bad day. Um, I, I kind of wonder what have we learned since then. I think the biggest takeaway that I can tell you since that day is that you you have to be exceptionally egregiously stupid and negligent to actually be you know, taken out, like taken out, out by a cyber incident. It turns out that, you know, we kept saying like, oh man, it's going to take one of these big ones and, and you know the company's going to go out of business and everybody's going to get hacked, you know, it's going to get hacked and people are going to finally take notice. Well,
1: the big ones have happened. Sony. Yeah. I know, mean, that it, was it, after the, the Target Applefax. and Home Depot, yeah.
0: you know, I mean,
1: I wrote a, I wrote a blog post in 2011 And said, is this the year of the data breach? Like, is this the year it's finally going to become mainstream and everybody's going to recognize it?
2: Yeah, thanks, John.
1: You know, Target, (laughs) Home Depot come along. Boom. Well, less than a year later, Sony, you know. And and remember one of the things I loved about Sony was that's when we got this concept of of a very sophisticated state actor. You know, we start working that, that into terrible. all of our letters and communications, you know, now because, well, how could we be expected to defend against a sophisticated threat actor? Um, but but to is. your point, Raf, I think, I think the biggest lesson or the biggest thing we've learned from then until now is it's not just the Targets, Home Depot, Sony Pictures, Equifaxes. It's the mom and pops. It's the... You know, the single doctor practice, everybody is vulnerable. And and these bad guys aren't just going after the big targets.
3: But literally. So, I mean, people are vulnerable, but, you know, you ask, what have we learned from that? Like, what have we changed? Have we seen anything as big as Sony since that happened? I mean, if everybody was in the same state of cybersecurity is not really there and everybody's vulnerable, then why didn't everybody end up getting completely bricked? And instead, it was one company... There's no way anybody righted their ship in a six month period to say, oh, whatever they were doing, I fixed that. We've got that shut down, right? So it's kind of interesting to see when you have these big ones that there's not a huge shift of everybody running out and doing something to fix it. You know, you get Log4j was you go in, yes, I have it, let me fix it. But something like a Sony Bree or something, these that are huge you're not just going in and just turning off a single thing and say, okay, I'm clear from that. You know, it's just interesting we'd ever see a major one since then, like to that level. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, well, what, one of the things we, we see a difference in is between a data breach and like an operational type shutdown like where you can shut down the operations of a company versus the theft of the data, where the company keeps going on. We've had a lot of big data breaches, you know, I mean, since then, but we haven't had that operational where they just shut down the entire operations of the company. Um, you know, we see, And we see like in manufacturing, we saw a lot of manufacturing cases this year. Um, they're shutting down parts of operations, but may, but not the whole thing. Maybe, you know, a, a tool over here or something like that. And so you, you maybe you're seeing a little more segmentation.
3: Is that because it draws um, more attention though? Right? Like you do something like a colonial pipeline and then, you know, I mean, based on the information that came out, like they shut the pipeline down the ransomware did not, right? Like that was a business decision to shut it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but you you look at stuff like that. You look at shutting down hospitals with ransomware. You look at doing things like that, attacking water supplies and stuff like that That gains a lot more attention from a political standpoint, from a governmental uh, FBI, CIA type of standpoint. Then I just stole, you know, 600,000 first name, last name and address, Uh, you know, like, okay, that stuff's out there. Everybody will sit there and say, it's out there, it's out there, it's out there. But you start actually doing something that impacts physical or, or something like that. Like you're going to draw way more attention to yourself than that, right? Than just going in and steal some data and selling it on the side. You
1: can't hide it. So as a company, you know, I mean, I, I still maintain, and, and I know a lot of people is not going to want to hear this, but my greatest role for a company is when I can, can come in and show them the legal basis for why what most people might think is a reportable, notifiable event is really not, you know, and and we can manage it without necessarily having to make headlines or manage the message in a real controlled way to, you know, PR, to get it out over time or whatnot. Um, You can't do that when your operations are shut down. Because all your suppliers are calling, all your you know your vendors, your your employees, you know they're all. Well, hey, why's my computer shut down? Why are we off work for a week? And so, and, you how you it, handle those? Yeah, you, know, you know what's
2: interesting. So I remember an incident when I was with GE many years ago. We had a worm that came through and absolutely nuked one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, plants that we had that, that was working on air, airplane parts, right? basically made a bunch of union guys sit on their hands and in like a facility, which I remember somebody telling you like two size of two football fields for like three weeks or something. I, I don't While I, I, we've seen all this year. There were like, Hey, hospital has to turn away patients, uh, doctors, you know, writing for everything by hand, case notes by hand, law firms and all this. But I think there's a 50, 50 mix between the bad guys doing it, right? The result being something that the bad guys did and the subsequent investigation, having to shut a bunch of stuff down to then investigate the thing that happened.
1: Man, I did a... uh, So, yeah, mistake. So it's it's lack of real-world incident response planning. I don't mean building a binder with tabs and a big index and all that crap. I mean, what do we do when something happens? Where's our one pager of most critical information? Who do we call? Get our experts in. You know, what's our game plan? Um, Just yesterday, I got in a new uh, ransomware case where they restored from backups. They had an MSP that came in. Um, got them back up and running pretty quickly, but they wiped the freaking drives, and so now we can't do forensics. Just completely destroyed our ability to to manage the data aspect of it. But it, that that happens so often. But to your point right there, I did a crisis management uh, uh, program back in June with a bunch of international lawyers and and operational experts from different organizations. And um, I, we had hypothetical scenarios. And one of the hypos I had was, you know, you come in and you find out there's data leaking from your network somewhere. And someone discovers malware. What do you do? And the head of this this whole hospital system from from this one particular country um, said, oh, well, once we see that, we shut everything down. We tell everybody to shut down their computers. We shut down the network. I was like, what?
0: You're going to do all of
1: that right there with no more information than that? But that's right. That's what they're going to do because they're taught to shut everything down and stop it right there. And so it just shows you without understanding this process um, it's really it's really hard to to prepare people for how to do this in the real world you know
2: that I think that's the that's the that's the theme um, of a lot of discussions and conversations in the last year is. We we've settled. I feel like the industry has settled into a groove of we're going to play attack and defense for forever. Right? There's no getting ahead of this. It's just a matter of how prepared can you be, how quickly can you detect, how fast can you respond, and what can you get? How quickly can you get business back to business? And I I don't know that the thing that that, that we've fully understood what it means to run that playbook still too many hundred page binders uh, still too many incident response plans that were that rely on the infrastructure being up when you know uh, goal number one of, of, a, of a good attacker is disrupt communications um, I, I still think that there are there are enough companies that believe even on the vendor side that you can prevent enough to where you don't have to build up that detection and response um i i, I get it we're learning but i feel like it's
1: really slow it, it is awesome. and you know part of the problem is incident response is a skill set it's a learned skill set i've i've been doing this for 23 years and every day i wake up scared to death about what i don't know New cases come in and I sit around and I, I can't sleep at night because I'm trying to figure out what's what's the right move here, what's the right step to take. Because there's no manual for this. There's no here's how to do it, one, two, three. Every damn case is different. And the unfortunate thing is, most people who are really good at security within organizations don't have. 23 years of incident response experience and thousands of incidents to build on because if they've been doing their jobs well, they might have only dealt with a couple of major incidents in their whole career. And so they know how to secure, they know how to detect and how to technically respond, but they don't know how to manage that big process. And it's I think we have a real shortage within organizations of the expertise on what's real world incident response. You know, what is it? You know, one of the things I think about, because I'm a a huge fan of having the big incident response plan. Your insurance carrier is going to want it. Your regulators are going to want it. The plaintiff's lawyers are going to want it. Your board of directors is going to want it. They're going to want to see that. But think about it. You know, we're going to all watch some college football this weekend. You know, are they going to, is the head coach going to be sitting there on the sidelines with that binder flipping through all those pages? No, they're going to have a one, that one sheet, you know, that one thing that's highlighted, that's what they run the game from. And that's where we need to evolve to in our incident response preparation, um, to learn how, how to, to manage these things in the real world, knowing, Game time decisions, there's no black and white answer. It's all in the
3: gray. Who's holding that sheet? Oh, by by the way, I always thought they just did that. They have that sheet just to cover their mouth so nobody can see what there's – nobody can read read their lips. But within the organization, who's holding that sheet, the one sheet and going through that? Is that your CISO? Is that your incident response team? Like who's calling those?
2: See, I think that, James, you've hit the interesting spot is that is a – situational thing, like some companies that's the CISO other companies that's somebody else. But I think th- the worst part of that is I, since we, since it's a, it depends answer. Uh, it also sometimes is you get, it's like, uh, remember when you were a kid or uh, you're on vacation and, and you know, they, they, they try to get you to like play games in the pool and stuff like that. If you been in a resort, right? Like the, the one where they play the music and every you ever use to pass the volleyball around and you don't want to be the one holding the volleyball when the music stops. That's the game everybody's playing. They're like, all right, we're going to create an incident response plan. And uh, it's going to be somebody's responsibility, not mine. Everybody, somebody else goes, not mine. And just keep going. And eventually the music stops and the CISO is going, ah, crap. I guess it's me, right?
1: It, it, it ultimately, the CISO is the head coach of this process. You know, CISO is the head coach. They may not be the GM. They may not be the owner, but they're the head coach. And so the CISO needs to take the lead and be the leader when it comes to preparing that the CISO needs to have buy-in of the whole team um, and the support of the GM and the owner and, and the head, the, the assistant coaches and, you know, whatever. But one of the things I always recommend to my clients, because I always try to get them to do at least that one pager and it's all logistics, you know, I mean, general Omar Bradley, is famous for saying, you know, amateurs talk strategy and tactics, professionals study logistics, and it's all logistics. And what I try to get my clients to do is do that one pager, take a picture of it, start a text message group between your internal incident response team and send that picture in that text group. That way, if everything else falls apart, you've got handy dandy old phone here, text group, we need a call in five minutes, urgent, you know, and then you've got your key information sitting right there. Now that's simple. I can't make $10 selling that, but that's a simple little thing we can do to say, if all else falls and and fails, we can breach each other. We can get a call. We know who to call down our list to get the right yeah. team in to get moving. You know, it's logistics.
3: Well, it's funny. That's something I, uh, a lot of companies don't think about. Like when when things happen, right? Like, hey, we use Slack or we use Teams and all of a sudden somebody's <laughs> in our system. <laughs> and they're like here they're now slack using it to slack
1: and teams right yeah, like they're
3: exactly. they're watching everything you're doing so not even having the plan up front of okay if all outs fails how do we communicate that's not you know that's out of band completely that we know everybody's on yeah
1: how do we get i tell a you team I, to the field ready to play
2: yeah i, I got a i got an interesting uh, so the, the podcast gets a i get a fair, fair amount of uh, uh, of pitches about 10 15 a day from various media, whatever outlets, right? All these people that want to want us to talk about stuff. But I got one the other day. Uh, actually, actually, this one, this one's from today, a couple hours ago, and says: New SEC rules set to come into play in the spring of 23, 2023, forcing listed companies to report their cyber attacks to core stakeholders, investors, customers, and regulators. And here's the money shot: Currently, eighty five percent of such cyber attacks are unreported by organizations, as businesses fear the loss of confidence from the public. Uh, and, and so it goes on. I, I'm wondering. So hold on, we complete, we keep saying about how oh my god the avalanche there's so many and
1: we're only seeing fifteen percent of it. Oh, no, yes. Yeah, so no. so number one, those rules are coming in, and they they haven't written out the fine points yet. So we know it's coming. We don't know exactly what the reporting process is going to be. As everything number SEC two, does, yeah. The, the rules are already there that you can't hide material events. You've got to report them. I mean, that would have been in our update two years ago. You know, um, I mean, this stuff is, the obligations are there, but now that doesn't mean it's happening, you know, because we're still seeing a lot of under-reporting. Um, you know, I mean, I still get, People call me. They want to talk. I'll get on the phone and talk with them, give them my thoughts about whatever happened. You know, you move forward with hiring us or whatnot, but here are your obligations. Oh, well, I talked to my buddy who's a lawyer, and he said, that you, we don't really need to do all this. I'm like, okay, what does he do? Family law. Yeah. Good. Talk to a lawyer. We're good. Bye. <laughs> you
3: know? He, yeah, he read yeah. the uh, breach <laughs> notification law and That's right. uh, interpreted <laughs> it as so that- we're good. We're okay.
2: We're good. This reminds me of a movie quote. Uh, you know, somebody gets sick on a plane, somebody, uh, and there's two people arguing and one guy goes in, has anybody seen it? Is anybody a doctor? One guy raises his hand and he goes, I'm a doctor. And the guy next to him says, yeah, I'll let, let you know. It's like, well, you're, you're, a, you're a podiatrist. I don't think you qualify. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, it's like when people, they rename columns in the database. They're like, what are those? Those are tax IDs, but they're people. So there's social security numbers. No, they're, they're tax IDs. They're that's what they use <laughs> yeah. for their tax ID. So it's okay. It's not a social security number.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> nope. No worries. We're good. <laughs>
3: that's terrible.
1: Hey, so, uh, you know, it's it, the
2: year, by the time people listen to this on the podcast, the, the year will be, you know, the calendar will turn and we'll get to let la- laugh at 2022 and go, well, I'm glad we didn't do that again. Uh, but I feel like as we look ahead, I, I don't, and, and so looking back the last decade, right? So, okay, we kept saying, all right, things will be better next year. <laughs> they, they really they, – in some regards, they were. In other regards, they were much worse. Um, I, I feel like on the whole, uh, unless you're Okta, uh, which is having just a really bad year. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if you guys are listening, but yeah, yeah Yikes. The more
1: sensitive um, it, it, your information is, the more vital you are in the the food chain. The more at risk you are. It's just simple fact. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I I kind of feel like it's it's been not the not the kind of like big banger year. It's been a lot of status quo. It's been a lot of like, oh hey, that's huge. Eh, we move on. The world just keeps turning. And, uh, and, and nothing massive of consequence happened. So I, I, I'm closing out 22 going, meh, could have been worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, sometimes I do pretend to be a lawyer. So I deal with some law and some regulation here and there. Um, we've seen new states come up with some new privacy laws, kind of following California's model nothing real earth shattering. I mean, we're seeing this paint by dots, you know, building the the mosaic uh, here in the US. We already got a lot of companies ready for California. So getting them ready for these states isn't going to be that challenging. California, once again, is changing some of its rules. Um, That's never going to (laughs) stop. I mean, that's just going to keep happening. And, and you know, we've California seen... California getting um, to California. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they are. We've seen like the SEC, um, you know, CISA, there's going to be, you know, reporting requirements coming out for uh, critical infrastructure companies. What the hell's critical infrastructure? I mean, you know, w- with That's COVID, everything, right? we saw it. it could reach as far kind of as they wanted to reach. I suspect we're going to see the same thing with this. Um, you know, but if, but nothing's changed that's earth shattering. I mean, we need to keep coming back to fundamentals and saying we've got to secure as best we can. We've got to plan for resilience. We've got to understand our own risks. I mean, what works for company A doesn't work for company B. That risk assessment is, in my opinion, the most important part. Oh. Um, it doesn't change. Are,
3: are we seeing, because I feel like all these things that come out, like you mentioned the SEC thing, which I haven't looked at, but, you know, all these states that are coming out with their new privacy laws, like nothing is new of anything coming out. It's just a rehash of what we've been saying forever. And it's like, oh, we'll just, we'll repackage it into this law or we'll repackage it into this legislation. You know, we'll we'll switch it up, but we haven't really made any leaps and bounds there i mean all the stuff that comes out of executive orders all that nothing of that was new it was just codifying a bunch of stuff and half the time it's codifying something that's already been codified just in a different spot and they're like oh well we'll put it here you know which seems to be a lot more reactionary of i just want to show i'm doing something
1: it's pandering yes that's exactly it james Mm -hmm. It's pandering. It's this is some way for they, they don't know one way or the other, what they're saying, what their bill does or their order. It's all, Oh, this, this voting block wants to see this. Okay. I mean, it's, and it's sad because we're, we then bring politics into security and privacy and, who's getting hurt by that? We're not looking for the truth anymore. We're looking to win. Winning isn't aspiring and digging for the truth. You know, let's find the truth. Let's find the right way to do these things. I mean, North Carolina passed a law the year before last, I think, that said no, a North Carolina state agency cannot even communicate with a threat actor after a ransomware attack. That means you can't even respond and say, "Did you steal my data? What data? You know, but you don't even now know what threat actor groups it was. What? Because that intel process of that dialogue? That just, we're learning about that. Them. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. We we had a case with that and uh, and had to bring in some experts from the state that were part of that, and because we were like, that makes no sense. We understand you can't pay them. They're like, no, you." You, forensics, nobody, you cannot even communicate with it. Can't even respond. Are, are
3: we sure the threat actors aren't the ones lobbying our government to pass these rules? <laughs> no, seriously, though, right? <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> 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 Listen, I, I I am... I, nah, I,
3: should I mean, it, it sounds like it, right? Like, I mean, how many years have we been trying to pass... You know, listen. We want all research to be exempt from any type of legal action. We want the like. It sounds to me like the threat actors are the ones lobbying here and getting this stuff passed, so that way they can do whatever they want. Oh, James, it it does. (laughs) I mean, it it
1: just shows you when when it becomes political from any side. Yeah, I don't care what side. We put we take our common sense off, and it's like I want to win now. This is my side, and I'm going to win. It's like no, this is too important.
3: I'd be curious to see if we saw more action over this year of political, like legislation and these bills, these type of things that we actually saw organizations maturing their programs based on the stuff that's coming out of these things. You know, is it all talk? Yeah. or Are we actually?
1: Doing I think some of this we stuff? are seeing maturing, but I think we're seeing maturing from learning also. You know, we're seeing companies maturing because they're, I mean, look, part of the problem with this is we suffer from paralysis by analysis. There's every expert's got their list of things that must be done. You go to the next expert, they've got a different list and a different, and companies are sitting there going, well, wait, where do I start? Because this isn't the best. This is the best. That's the best. I'm going to do nothing. And I think what we're seeing is- Yeah, follow, the right. follow the science. Follow the science, Sean. <laughs> and, and so I think what we're seeing is companies learning it's better to do something than nothing. And let's start, you know, here and move forward. That that's helpful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I there's a lot of companies that have done something that I there's often wish that we just should have done absolutely nothing. Like you know what's the um uh, What's the quote? Uh, better to keep silent than
1: uh, better to keep oh, silent and show than your. Or, yeah, I can't think. Something of about
2: uh, yeah, had Then open your mouth and confirm you're you're a fool or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there are so many times where I'm like, wow, whoever wrote that mea culpa on their uh, on their website, like, man, you should have waited 15 minutes because now the news is different. Now you look like a moron that knows nothing.
3: Yeah, but like I mean, to uh, what was just being said though, I mean. So many times you can go out there and do something that somebody who is an expert, because it says it in their title in LinkedIn, said this is what you should be doing. And then somebody else comes along and says, No, I don't like that. You shouldn't do that. Well, right. And, so I, and how much of you. that is honestly opinion-based, right? I mean, is it this is your right, like you know, VI or uh nano, like what are you using for your editor? Is, who cares? But <laughs>
1: There is such a difference in, you know, we talk about cybersecurity and we talk about privacy. They're integrally intertwined. Without security, you have no privacy, right? Because nothing's safe. But the difference in philosophical mindset, I mean, I talk about the politics side of it, ideological, people who are really into privacy see the world very differently a lot of times than people who are really into security. Go to a security conference, you'll have one set of conversations. Go to a privacy conference, you'll have another. Depending on who you're focused on and who you're listening to, a lot of these companies are making decisions that, that maybe they're you know, the, the rah, rah, rah privacy crowd might think is great. Like to your point, James, just put it out there. Just tell the world what happened. Just be open and honest and everybody will send you unicorns and rainbows and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got the other side saying, "Uh uh-uh, uh, this is going to come back to bite us. You know, yeah. we're still negotiating with these threat actors and we're going to go publicizing you know, what happened and what we're doing. But, you know, while they're reading all this, I mean, it's like you you got to step back and put a lot of that aside
3: sometimes but, and just... And I mean, even look at the most basic of things, right? Take up passwords, right? You cannot get five security people in a room that will agree with you on what's a secure password. You know, I mean, I still see people posting, hey, make sure you're doing at least eight characters, an uppercase, James, you're going to drive me to drink. And then, you know, and then... Should we rotate past or Should we not rotate like this? What, what seems like would be Daily. the simplest of yeah. things, you still can't get people to agree on on you know what we should be doing there. So then you know, put that out to the whole organization. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're open up to criticism from somebody that's gonna say, Well, I wouldn't have done it like that. Yeah, you know, and they're both claiming to be experts. So how how do you know which way to go? You know, and then next thing people do nothing. Because, well, that guy says do it. That guy says don't. All right. Well, we won't then. (laughs) We'll do anything. Or we'll do it and then we won't do it right. And then we'll get in, you know, we'll catch a whole bunch of flack because we did it. Yeah. But then we didn't do it the way that you wanted to do it, you know. I mean, it, or we'll take it a poll. Make it really we'll
1: difficult. we'll get we'll take everybody's opinion, meld it into one <laughs> nonsensical thing, and that's what we'll and do.
2: and do none of those things.
1: <laughs> <You know>? Awesome. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right, you guys,
1: this has been fun. Uh,
2: but before we completely devolve into more hilarity, I think uh, I think that's a good good place to end the show. Folks that are listening to us uh, right now on LinkedIn Live on the live stream, I appreciate you. Um, we uh, go check out the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast page on LinkedIn. Uh, we do have a uh, significant. We've crossed over a thousand of you guys a while back, and we put uh, post some things that interest us on there, discussions, topics, uh, and, and of course, these live streams for you to view later and participate in. So, uh, 2023, you'll see us. Uh, this show gravitate more into the live stream. We're going to try to do more of these on a regular basis. Uh, Hopefully get you guys to participate a little more and and get you out of the, you know, out from the the shadows and into the world. So by the way, um, also, if you're listening to this, uh, we are, uh, the show is looking for a couple of sponsors from a corporate side. Uh, If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to get on this show, uh, get some folks, uh, you've got something interesting to say to our audience, by all means, contact me. I will, uh, I'll hook you up. We'll, we'll talk so um all right we're not doing predictions guys that's it we're just we're just not so we <laughs> talked about this the 2022 we're, we're gonna we're gonna uh we've got an episode coming the uh, next one uh with larry uh white is gonna is gonna give us the no prediction uh january uh episode uh, that'll also be streamed live i highly encourage you to jump into that one larry's always a good time all right james thanks for uh being on again Always Sean, good. always a good pleasure to have you, buddy. And I wish always you, uh, I wish you many data breaches uh, in in twenty twenty
1: three. Not you, <laughs> thank you very work, much.
2: That's not wrong. <laughs>
1: always a pleasure. You know what Happy I mean. Happy holidays, guys. Oh yeah, yeah, for All sure. Right, everybody, Please, no. <laughs>
2: All right, everybody, uh, wishing you the best 23 that you can possibly be and uh, enjoy it. We'll catch you guys another time, another place on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Ciao, y'all. Happy New Year.
0: As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.